Hey there, Rantineers and fellow film lovers. It's your host, Brennan McGee here. If you like our show, you can support us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash therealrant. And in all honesty, whatever you find between those couch cushions helps us out greatly. All right, on to the new episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about the real stuff. My name is Brendan McGee, and sitting across from me on occasion is the spectacle with spectacles. Who are you, dude? Nick Carter, Davian. Hey, man, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am quite sleepy. Yeah, <laughs> we're recording late tonight. We are recording real late, and again, this is, well, no, actually, this is technically recording number five for me today yeah this is the fourth show i've recorded today uh because we are trying to get that backlog going mm-hmm. to help us out in the uh the future and uh yeah but anyways not the point this week we have a guest and uh he is a bit of a uh well his father is a bit of a local celebrity in this small town of of victoria british columbia on vancouver island well, you know, he's actually a bit of a local celebrity himself. Like, I would say maybe one in five people know who he is. And he has a Twitter account, so I guess that's saying something. Yeah, he's got Twitter. Yeah, and I followed him and didn't know that mm-hmm. he was that he was the same guy that yeah. I was following. <laughs> no, for sure. And, like, he he is on a radio show, and he yeah. does a bunch of promotional work for a bunch of different and stuff. Apparently and apparently he sings the national anthem for the Victoria Royals. Apparently. Every now and then. And every, at least the, the backup. Yeah, he's at yeah. least the backup from his dad, apparently. Can I say who he is? Uh, no, he can say who he is. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> my name is Sam Farabee. Hey, how's it going, Sam? Fantastic, my friend. Fantastic. All right. All right, Sam. Well, welcome to the show of The Real Rant. And, uh... I mean, this is the first time I think where um, I haven't actually met the guest before, like, like they weren't my direct friend. Um, actually, no, there was Emma. Who Emma. Was on the but Gone you Girl. had met Emma before. I had known Emma, yeah. yeah, yeah. You had, but you this would... is the first time where you basically essentially bring in a stranger, and I didn't know his name up until, like, three hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, like, Nick was like, I have a friend. And then he was like, well, that friend didn't work out, so I brought another friend. And I was like, who's this friend? He goes, his name is Sam. And I was like, all right. He's a good guy. <laughs> I wanted him on the I wanted him on the show at some point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Just well, because I'm honored. I, yeah. Well, uh, well, Sam, how do you know Nick, then, I guess? That's the usual thing that we like to ask. How do we know each other, Nick? I actually had to go on a quest in order to find this magical singing sword. And I stopped for one night at a tavern, and Sam was the innkeeper. Okay. I was. Okay. I was. Yeah. yeah. And I was there, and I was wearing a dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were there. Yeah. You didn't meet Sam the innkeeper? No, I was too busy trying to figure out why my dress keeps, you know... Riding up? Riding up a little yeah. bit, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> Plaguing <Yeah>. America. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't have direct contact with you know everybody that you know stays at the inn. Of but, course, you know, fair I'm enough. Kind of and scene, <laughs> scene. Good. No, in actuality, how do you actually know? Uh, we met in a class uh, at Uvic, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't really talk at first. Mm-hmm. Is that American Lit? American, American Lit. lit yeah. yeah. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah. Who's your prof? Robert Miles. Robert Miles, the man. The you myth, took the, the class. Legend. That's the. I gave you notes for that class. Yes. Yeah. I love Robert Miles. Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Sam and I didn't really talk the entire time, but he was friends with a girl that I knew. And then one time, Sam and I got talking, and us and two other people just hung out, and I skipped a class, and we just yeah. went into uh, 
one of the buildings and just hung out for a few hours. And I thought you were going to say hug. Sweet. Oh, we hugged a little bit. <laughs> we hugged bit. for several hours. We <laughs> hugged for like five hours. It was That's too long. At some point, somebody's going to get blisters. Not long enough. <laughs> um, so that's a the, good... That's I mean, good... I, yeah, it's the name of my, my crust punk band. It's Blistery Hug. <laughs> blistery Hugs. But yeah, since then, Sam and I have had like a class together every semester I yeah think. pretty much every semester pretty, sem- yeah. pretty much are every you still semester. at uvic or you graduated? i just graduated okay. yeah. well, graduated with me yeah, yeah. Very cool. we're gonna be walking on that stage together yeah we're gonna hold hands we're gonna listen to kanye west's graduation i think i might time. skip it i'm not sure yet convocation yeah you're not graduating this year are you <laughs> no <laughs> this will be my seventh year yeah i'm too busy doing other shit while i'm Fair going enough. to school clearly yeah. like I, I i just i realize that more and more that like school is just a networking thing for me i'm just trying to meet people that's then... part of what university is yeah right? i'm trying to figure out who's the best people to start businesses with i don't yeah. know anyways uh another point well that's a great story nick thank you so much for sharing that Thanks. what do you think sam <laughs> <laughs> i think i think it's a harrowing tale yeah. I, I really do epic uh, proportions yeah might say all right so let's roll into the plugs as always you can find me on twitter at brendan underscore mcgee that is b-r-e-a-n-d-a-n underscore m-c-g-h-e-e and nick where can they find you you can find me on twitter and instagram at nick carter d n-i-c-k-c-a-r-t-e-r-d nick carter <laughs> if you want to you can follow the show at the real rant pod and uh you can send us uh a message let us know if you're interested in working with us if you were an indie uh filmmaker or just filmmaker or a creator in any sort we'd love to hear from you we love working with creatives um it's a lot of fun and uh we get we all everybody gets something out of it because we want to know your story just as much as you know you want to tell it so if that makes any sense mm-hmm. how am i doing nick doing great okay cool if you want to you can also do the more professional fashion way if you're not feeling like send us a little tweet is not your jazzy thing to do. You can send us an email at therealrantpodcast at gmail.com. Send us something nice, mean, or in between. It's all juicy, just the same. If you want to follow the show, you can follow us on Instagram at The Real Rant. We show behind the scenes pictures of what's going on in our uh, behind the scenes kind of lives and stuff like that. It's really cool. And if you're feeling really jazzy, you can leave us a five star review or subscribe to us on whatever listening platform you're listening to on uh, listening to us on uh, we'd really appreciate it and we love the feedback so if you want to send us a review or give us a subscribe that'd be awesome helps the show grow you can also visit our website at therealrant.com uh, because we own that domain and uh, it's not a big deal or anything it's just kind of really cool um, and we have all of our links to all of the stuff that we kind of just mentioned there if you want to find a hub for all of that uh, we've got links to kind of like all the listening areas that we have uh you know, subscribe to and associate ourselves with. And obviously you're listening to us on other stuff too. But Sam, you got a plug, buddy? Yeah. You can uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at S Farabee. Uh, it's at S F as in Fred, E R R A B as in Bob Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, on Instagram uh, at Sam Farabee, all one word, mm-hmm. first and last name. Nice Fair. and official. Yeah. As you said, uh, He's a bit of a celebrity, so you might want to give that follow button. Local celebrity. Yeah, big deal, big deal. Um, just like, you know, as Nick said at the beginning, though. Not that big, though. Yeah, but I'd be like I'd be like the corner square on, like, Hollywood squares. Like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the center square. The one square. that everybody forgets to do the proper lighting for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the one that, like, the lighting doesn't quite extend to <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the side. Like, like, if you were eating a sandwich, nobody would know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, I could be eating or drinking the whole time and nobody would even say. Or the say. batteries out on your mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. great. And for next week's film, we'll be discussing Jumanji. And our guest is very, 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 very special to me. Um, me specifically, Brendan. Um, and you will find out who they are next week. So stay tuned for that. Hey, Nick, guess what time it is? What time is it, Brendan? It's time for the film of the week. Ha ha. The film of the week. Ha ha. The film of the week. Ha ha. Give me the magic sword. Okay. So, the film of the week this week is... Nightcrawler. This movie is absolutely friggin' weird and messed up and strange, and it makes me feel sick. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, it's a great effing movie. Like, Sam, thank you very much for picking it. So oh, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate it. I don't know if anybody has any more input on that before we kind of like ask Sam why he picked the film. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. What were your guys' initial feelings when you watched this film for the first time? Had you ever seen it, Nick? No, this was my first time watching it. Okay. I really didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I was really into it, though. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. I, f I feel like we'll get into more of my yeah, reasoning of course, behind of it later in the podcast, of but I was, I was really into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was your initial reaction when you felt... When you when you watch this film for the first time, very intrigued. Yeah, very very. Did you intrigued. watch it in theaters or no? I uh, I watched it. Oh, probably maybe it came out in what twenty fourteen? Yes, twenty fourteen um, July or no October October thirty first July. Sorry, October thirty first, two thousand fourteen. Nice. Yeah. Um. Well done. Um, well, it's my brother's birthday, and I took him to see it. Oh, so, yeah. oh right on. Yeah, oh, yeah, perfect. And the reason why I remember, I haven't seen the film since then. Mm -hmm. Like I've owned the film because Corey, our other co-host, bought it for me on my birthday. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. And uh, and he bought it because I had told him about it, and then he ended up buying it just to l l give it to me because he mm -hmm. bought it, watched it, and gave it to me as a present. <laughs> and I asked him, I was like, "Did you watch it?" And I was, he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, oh, "It's no big deal." But uh, no, I told him it was like really messed up, mm -hmm. and I hadn't, I actually hadn't even opened up the case until he like till today. So. Yeah. <laughs> right on. But right uh, on. yeah, sorry, go on. Um, yeah, just kind of uh, exactly what you said. It's weird. It's creepy. Um, but I kind of I love that weird stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. And so it uh, it made me feel unclean, but in the best possible way. For sure, for sure. Yeah, there's something about um, Jake Chillenall in the last like kind of five to ten years that have really kind of helped me really respect him as an actor and really kind of recognize him for me as one of my favorite actors out there right now. And not that I didn't respect him before. It's just more, he's really kind of coming to the light for me a little bit where I've really been like, Oh, this guy's really good. Like he actually gives a shit about, you know, and I'm not saying again, like I'm not saying other actors don't give a shit. Of course. I'm just saying that like he really, really in the last 10 to five years has actually like really honed into his characters and really tried to encapsulate what it means to be that person in that role or whatever he's taking on. It's, it's, it's not, it's not douchey method acting. Like it's not like I'm going to go and live in a wood, live in the woods in a cabin for two years and then mm -hmm. come back and like film a movie about a guy in a cabin in a woods for about two months of your life. No, it it's legit. Just like a guy that really is focused and he gives a shit about the work that he's doing. Yeah. And I really respect that about anyone in general. But um, some of the films that he's done that's really kind of like opened my eyes to his acting chops in the last couple of years was like Nocturnal Animals, um, Ojak uh, or Ojak, what is it? O Okja, the nec Netflix film with oh uh, yeah with Paul Dano and uh, that Korean girl. I don't know the Korean girl's name, and I I am apologize. Uh, 
Can you read her name for me, Sam? <laughs> oh, well, actually, I've got it right here. Suhyun An. I think, or An. Yes, yes. Seohyun An. Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Great, great film, Okja, if you ever get the chance. Uh, but um, what's the other film that he was in? Yeah. Th- again, Nightcrawler and um, The Prisoner's film. Um I also really liked him in uh, Brother. I think Brothers, yeah, is what really opened my eyes to his acting performance. Brothers is the one about oh, and Tobey Maguire, an enemy. That's another one. Yeah, Enemy is another great film. I think we should talk about that on the podcast at some time. Somebody should pick that one. But um, yeah, ever since then, it's just been like he he's really been picking up his shit. Like he, I really respect it a lot, and I mm-hmm. I really appreciate the fact that we got to talk about his acting chops specifically in this film and plus he always just has really good hair he does there's something about his hairline that is just absolutely fantastic (laughs) i love hair i love style of hair and things like that but man his hairstyle in like this film and then in the prisoners film i'm like well damn dude like the prisoners film hair yeah that's good hair good hair Uh, (laughs) He does have great hair. Yeah, it's weird. It's like always like so silky looking and perfect. I don't know. Not the point. Anyways, but um, yeah, no. Uh, as always, though, before we kind of get into the film, uh, we like to ask our guests, because it is about our guest, what is the reason why you picked this film, Sam? So yeah, take it away, buddy. I picked it because it, I, I think it's one of my favorite films uh, that's come out in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, one of the reasons why I thought it would be really cool uh, to talk about um, is because I uh, I work at uh, CTV Vancouver Island. I work for uh, a local news network yeah. um, uh, in the newsroom. Uh, I, one of my main jobs there is I listen to the police scanner yeah. um, and I monitor uh, social media and uh, answer the phone and, and look for things that are happening in town so that we can send a camera crew to it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so... For me, that was um, it was it was when I first watched it, uh, watched the film. It was it was well before I had this job, um, and so watching it, I, I'd meant to to rewatch it uh, with the you know the experience that I have um, working in a newsroom and uh, you know with that with that perspective, um, and just kind of inject that perspective into my viewing of yeah. you know of the film. I, I'd been ever since I started working there, I've been meaning to rewatch it, and so yeah. I think this was this was a great excuse to do that, and then kind of. Uh, you know, put on my analyst hat and really kind of analyze, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of the nuances of, of that aspect of it. For Um, sure. For sure. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. No. And that, honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better answer, man. Cause like, again, like a lot of this show, it is about our guest and it's really interesting to know that like you have a legitimate story behind the whole reason why you want to watch this film is it's, it's a level of relatability Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. the characters and the, and the narrative of the film, maybe not obviously to the extent of <laughs> of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character in this film. What's his name? Lou Bloom. Lou Bloom. Lou Bloom. Lou Bloom yeah, that's Lewis great, Bloom. That's a great name. Great name. Lou Bloom. Hi. Lou Bloom. Video production company. Video. What video, is it? video production news. That's such um, a terrible name. It's video uh, video production news. It, there's a uh, there's a second part to it. I wrote it down somewhere. Um, <laughs> Isn't it video production news network? Uh, it's video production news, a professional news gathering service. <laughs> So just like the most generic possible name. But that's not the point. The point is success. That's the yeah. whole point of his his goal. But mm-hmm. but yeah, man, thank you so much for sharing that perspective with us. But before we get into the film, we like to throw it over to Tom with the synopsis. 
Hey there, how's it going everybody? It's Tom Rombus here again. I'm not here to cause a ruckus, but I am going to read you a synopsis. Alright, here we go. Living in Los Angeles, there's news all around. For Lou Bloom, an intelligent yet socially inept thief, that means opportunity for profit. As he begins to record newsworthy stories, he spirals into greed, walking the line of morality. As he searches for his big break, he goes to greater lengths to become the best in his field. How far will he go for the money shot? Find out in Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler? What would a knight be doing crawling around on the ground? Don't you think his armour would make a lot of sound? I mean, you know, get up and fight. That's why you got the armour on. Anyway. Alright, lads. Thanks again. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Alright, thanks, Tom. Alright, so I kind of want to start the conversation right off the bat with uh, this idea, that this, this, this feeling of the film. Um, mm. The film opens up with a shot of the sky, uh, the night sky of L.A., um, and the moon, and um, it's very desert. It's like a very desert feel. Um, and I did a little bit of reading with this film, and I found out that th- the vibe of the character of Lou Bloom, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, was meant to kind of resemble like a coyote. Um, and the film, uh, at, at some point or another, was supposed to be actually called a coyote, apparently. Like it was a consideration. And and I really, really like that feel. Um, because when you think of a coyote, you think, uh, like, uh, a scavenger, you think of someone who mm-hmm. is essentially, you know, doing exactly what Lou Bloom does. He is within the first couple seconds after we see the skyline kind of open up and, uh, the evening skyline of LA kind of open up, we get, um, we get, we get a shot of Lou Bloom at the, at this yard trying to steal copper, um, and sell it to construction companies to melt down and make money. Right. And then he steals that watch. That one watch that we see throughout the whole film is like the biggest. It, it, it is it is the epitome of who Lou is in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, he is someone who just essentially takes to and then absorbs and then and then just and continue. He's like a he's like a blob, almost like he takes everything in and remembers it all. And I I couldn't help but think that there was an essence of uh like um. Like he may may have had, uh, he may have some sort of like, uh, some mental health, uh, situation going on with his mind. Um, because you know, he, he's just, there's something about his, his function, uh, the way he works and his interactions with the people around him, um, that really stand him apart as someone that's scary, but at the same time, someone who's also harmless, know if that makes sense to anybody yeah i think what it is is he feels very disconnected um he doesn't do you think he's aware of it sorry i don't mean to stop you right away when i when you when you say that but do you think that he's aware that he's disconnected um i don't think i don't think it's a question of whether he's aware of it or not i think it's whether he how do i want to put this does he care that's the thing it's it's he seems to just act on what he thinks is best or what makes the most logical sense. Mm -hmm. He doesn't act morally. He acts logically, right? And so everything he does... He's chaotic neutral. 
Exactly. We brought, the, oh. we brought this we brought this conversation up on another podcast recording a couple hours ago mm-hmm. and the idea of chaotic neutral. But uh yeah, I Yeah, well I think just everything he does, you know, I want 15,000 for this. Why? Because and then lists all of the reasons why and they're all really well thought out reasons to the and, point where you can't argue with them yeah. even though you even though you think about it like you were thinking about it like yeah, those are all really good reasons, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's like, I want what I want, you want what you want, and I know that you just gave me all the reasons. I've reached the lowest number. There's no sense in arguing with me. Mm. I've thought this out, Yeah, is what he says, right? And mm. you're just kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Or anytime, anytime his and Riz Ahmed's character, Raz Ahmed? Riz. Riz, 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 Ahmed. Riz, 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 yeah. Riz Ahmed. Anytime they talk, it's just like, stop yelling at me. All right, well, studies say that <laughs> in order to get a better rapport with your employee, you need to ask them what they want you to improve. So He's a coyote. Can, right, exactly. He's a coyote he, of information. Yeah, he never acts on emotion. I think he always acts on what makes the most statistical sense and what makes the most logical This sense. might blow your mind a little bit, but um, because all I do is watch movies all the time. Yeah. Uh, I t- and, and I'd like to think I'm a bit of a filmmaker, but I spend a lot of time looking at the frame a lot and I've seen this film once, once before. And the one thing I noticed in this film was the fact that I was like, immediately when I started considering him as a scavenger type, I started looking at the frame a little bit more in his own perspective. And, uh, if you notice in the first couple minutes of the film, right after you see him trying to sell that stuff and try to get that internship with that construction company and they say, no, you know, screw off. Um, there's a shot of the, the LA skyline during the day. And then it cuts to a neighborhood and then it cuts to his satellite dish and then it cuts to the wiring connected to that satellite dish. And it's been Jimmy rigged to disconnect out of somebody else's satellite to go into his room because it cuts to his TV. Mm -hmm. So he's stealing someone else's cable to get his information on a daily basis. He sounds like a infomercial whenever he's talking to sell his product. I don't know. Pretty much. Yeah. Like when he when he steals that bike. Yeah. He's like, I'll take 800. He's like, I won't give you that much money. Like, and, and it's funny. It's like, it's almost like people are used to his strange interactions. Yeah. Well, yeah. That scene when he's selling the bike, he says uh, something about it being like a, a race bike. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like a 27 speed race bike. You know? I won the tour to Mexico with this. Yeah. 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 Something what like the that. Hell's and the then, tour to but Mexico? then the guy, the guy calls him out on his bullshit. Like immediately. Yeah. He just says, uh, he says, you know, that like that brand doesn't have 27 speeds or something. No bike like, has 37. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, something gears. like that. Um, or, yeah, yeah. 37 gears or something like that. But yeah, throughout the whole film, that's that's just how he presents himself to other people is is yeah. through this kind of almost like corporate like training exercise jargon. Yeah. Um. Everything that he says, everything he says to to Rick to Riz Ahmed's character, um, everything that he says to anybody in the newsroom. Yeah. Um. It's uh. It's just to fundamentally grow his path to be able to get more and more mm-hmm. from yep. people. Mm-hmm. Like his way of taking a pay or a pay cut is his him taking the pay cut is fundamentally motivated on the idea that she's going to introduce him to all these other people that are going to get him further in the game. Right. And, um, it's really interesting to watch him interact with Riz Ahmed, uh, the actor of Rick in this film and, uh, the scene where he's where the interaction of employee to employer basis, Mm -hmm. as opposed to employee to employer basis with him and, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Joanne Russo. I forgot. Renee, Renee Russo. Renee uh, Russo. Nina, I think her character's name yeah. is. 
and she and his interaction with uh, her. And when you see him in the car, when when Riz is like, "Hey, you know, can I get some more money?" and they're interact, and he's like, "A hundred, a hundred, a hundred, uh, seven, seven, mm-hmm. seventy-five, seventy-five. All right, sounds like a greater deal." He's like, "Could I have gotten more?" He's like, "Absolutely." Mm-hmm. And <laughs> but we've already agreed on this. But we've already agreed on that, and it's just like, "Oh my god!" And then he uses the bargaining chip, obviously, against him and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's just like, this guy is fun. Like again, he is just an absolute scavenger his point his goal and the coolest thing about it is like you see it in his name of his company right at the end like he literally does not care about the name of his company he's just literally saying the most generic name that he can come up with to like push his agenda of trying to get more successful like he is if anything i mean obviously he's a sociopath can we all agree that he's a sociopath absolutely yeah Yeah. textbook yeah so like like to the point where you're just like how are you not in trouble? You know what I mean? Like, like how are you like, like he kills people, but like, he's not the sociopath that you assume is just going to commit murder. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. committed murder through a loose disassociation. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he never actually pulls the trigger himself. No, he he... puts people in the position where people get killed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, arguably cutting the brakes to, um, uh, Bill Paxton. Yes. Bill Paxton's character, um, to, uh, to his, uh, his truck. Yeah. Um, I guess arguably that's kind of more actively, you know, it's, it's sabotaging his, his truck so that he will, um, crash. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, he knows that he's going to crash because Mm -hmm. he knows he's going to go over the speed limit. Mm -hmm. Logically, you're not supposed to go over the speed limit when you're driving a car, but you know that. Because, because he's doing the same job that he's going to be doing, he's going to go over the, the speed. Yeah, he's going to go over the speed limit. So, yeah, I don't know that there's not, like this whole coyote thing is just like we, you really gain a whole new look on the film that really kind of I don't know, like it, it plays with your head a little bit to the point where you're just kind of like, all right, well, like it, like I, I like I didn't actually know that the name Nightcrawler was the term for someone who did this kind of job. I always just assumed that Nightcrawler was just the association of how creepy he was. Like the first time, uh, okay, going back to the Coyote thing again. Anytime he's like told to go away or get, a, get out of something, it's almost like he's a dog, like mm-hmm. getting caught next to yep. a garbage can. Like he's just like, oh, I shouldn't be here right now. But he doesn't listen, right? Like it was funny today. Like I, my dog, he wasn't being very good today. And like there was a couple times where I was just like, "Hey, dude, come here," and he just like look at me, and I'd be like, "No, come here," or I just be like, "Or go away," and they're just like, and they just react like a deer in headlights a little bit, but they're not deer in headlights. This is the coyote reference here, but like the scene where the opening scene where he gets the light flashed in his face, he's just like, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah," you know, and then he gets in that fight with that guy, and I'm just like, "This guy is legit crazy." Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think with every interaction he has, you can see how he's learning from it, but he's not learning what not to do. He's learning how to not get caught doing it next time. Exactly. Like a coyote. Exactly. Yeah. I just love every time he Violet Baudelaire's his hair, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some crazy stuff is going to happen. Yeah. Are you making a a series of unfortunate events reference? Of course I am. (laughs) What were what were the specific times that he he does that with the bike with and with the bike with yeah. cutting the brakes as well yeah he you don't see him tie it back but when he crawls out from under the car he stands up and he's got his hair all tied back yeah and then there's another time where and then there's the other times where he goes business mode and he gels his hair back 
Yeah, he starts to gel his hair back more and more or near the end. Yeah. yeah, when he's interacting with the official people. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say most of the time that he's at the at the station, um, at the TV station, he uh, he has his hair kind of slick back. And yeah. whenever he's talking to Rene Russo's character, especially when he wants something from her, yeah, um, he uh, he has his hair slick right back. And no, it's funny that you mention the "I want" mm-hmm. word because that is my favorite scene. I think in the whole film is the "I want." lines the the part where it's a shot of him it's like a he's like a mid-frame shot right from his torso and he just gets closer he comes from the shadows Mm -hmm. and gets closer and closer and closer to Rene Russo's character um and and I think her shoulder is in the right or left hand corner so she's barely in the frame and I think it's left hand corner and it's like half like profile from behind her head and um He's getting closer and closer, and then he finally gets to the point where before he finishes, the last thing he says is he brings the bedroom bedroom uh, thing in, like, his talk about how she's not performing in the bedroom the way he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so creepy. Like, like that's the first time where he really blows up, mm-hmm. and I found it mm-hmm. to be somewhat intriguing, because I found out that he actually memorized this whole film beginning to end like you do a play. Like he did not like it was really and he lost like 20 pounds for the movie. Like it's insane. Like he what was the thing I read? I read that he worked out for eight hours a day and then would cycle and run back and forth from set. Like it's insane. It's like, pretty incredible. Yeah, that's eight hours is insane. That's too much working. out. That's a lot of working. out. I get that's... on a bike sometimes. And my butt hurts after like <laughs> and I like riding a bike, but I'm like, this hurts my butt. But anyways, um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I want scene. I think I, I think it was just the one scene that I feel like really makes us stand out to this character. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think it's um, it's just a good um, it's a good insight into his uh, Lou Bloom just as like into his psyche and, and, and exactly how he um, formulates his plans and, and how that kind of comes to fruition in, in, you know, a sociopathic conversational kind of way. Yeah. Um, I think that that was, that, that was really, really interesting with that. Um, and just how he um, constantly to that point and, and during that scene just um, is always either consciously or subconsciously manipulating the conversation um, to the way he wants, yeah. It. To yeah. to the way to to get to yield the responses that he you know he deems necessary that yeah. he you know wants to 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 reach the end of that. And I think that that's kind of the I would say the um, the climax or even just a crescendo of that mm-hmm. aspect of that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, because I mean he he leaves you know Rene Russo's character just floored. Uh, you know, any time that he, she doesn't know how to say anything. Yeah. She doesn't Mm -hmm. know how to say anything. She has nothing to say. uh, Yeah. He, he just, he doesn't give her any, anything to say. He doesn't Mm -hmm. leave any conversation that he has. He doesn't really leave it open. Um, you know, he, it's everything that he says is closed. Every prompt that he gives to somebody is, is closed and, um, leaves the other person just kind of scrambling for, something to say i don't even think they're scrambling i think they're just in like they're in shock they're in shock yeah you see this more and more with the actors uh or the the characters that interact with him uh they start off being like oh like i have to deal with this guy you know what i mean Mm -hmm. the process of 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 coming to know who lou is 
mm-hmm. and you see you see his relationships grow, but you also see how they learn to interact with him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some fare better than others. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking specifically to Rick, I don't think he learned mm-hmm. like he learned how to interact with him, but he didn't learn the process of just saying yes is mm-hmm. the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you do and you try to take him at his own game, he's gonna win, mm-hmm. and that and. And that's because he's sneaky. He's a sneaky little shit, and he's going to get what he wants because he knows he has the time, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't sleep. And that plays into the idea of the Nightcrawler thing, as I honestly feel like I, I, maybe he has insomnia, but at the same time, we don't see him sleep, but we get lots of shots of his bed. We get lots of shots of his bed, like, multiple times. But it's, times. like, but it's 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 totally made up. And, it's not even like, touched. It's immaculate, yeah. There was a shot in the beginning of the film. I don't know if you guys noticed this, too. Um, it's just, whenever you show somebody's home, like, when you guys came in here, you obviously know that I like Batman and I like movies. This is my room, obviously. With his place, it's, like, things are very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the one flower pot. He's got the TV. He's got this ironing board. He has his five shirts in his closet. Um, we see it, and... He's got his bed and he's got his old style, I think, Sony alarm clock um, that I had when I was a kid. I had that really ugly looking brown oak looking alarm clock when I was a kid. But yeah, there was this one shot where they're showing his kitchen and they had sitting bowl in the fridge. And I was not 100% sure what that was about. Mm -hmm. It was some sort of indigenous reference. And I was just like trying to look up and see what that meant. And I don't know, does anybody have any thoughts on maybe what that says about his character? And I can cut this out. I just have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I there, was, there was a theory that I saw um, that, like, possibly one of the reasons why they um, put that in is just kind of to drive home the idea of, like... Um, like disin like being disenfranchised and being, mm. like... Um, That's a good point, because I think yeah. it says... I think it says something else on there. It says like it says uh, sitting bowl, and then it says I think from date like di- uh, birthday to death day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, one of the like because um, they they have the one shot when they when they're showing the shots of his apartment at the beginning, and then um, the other time that we see that um, prominently is when the police uh, come to his yeah um, uh, come to his see house. the poster of sitting yeah bowl. yeah for people that are uh don't know who sitting bowl sitting bowl was a indigenous i don't know his tribe so i'm not going to speak to it and try to assume mm-hmm. um he was an indigenous uh uh leader tribe leader chief but um yeah no that's an interesting theory you read that you read that somewhere yeah yeah when i was doing a little bit of research on um you know other theories that are floating around on the internet like analyses of the of the film yeah that was one that i kind of came across because yeah that was something that that struck me too is like i was like you have everything in this apartment that means absolutely nothing other than your plant but yeah. then when, you, when you show your clock your bed that's empty your flower you got your ironing board yeah you they're, your they're, tv and then you got a poster sitting bowl on your fridge yeah they're has to be some kind of symbolic something to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. No, I feel, I just feel like the plant isn't relevant or isn't personal for him. I feel like basically his apartment is made out of what a nuclear household would look like if it was one man living in an apartment. Mm. You know, there's just, there's the TV, the bed, the fridge, a plant. And it's just all of the basic things that like if you Googled a stock picture of an apartment, it would have all these things in it. The plant is interesting, though, because the plant is um, the one thing uh, within the film that he shows, like, kind of... Any sort of care yeah, to. Yeah, genuine, like, tender care to. Yeah, like, he, he's always... He's shown watering it. He's shown caring for it. But he does use it as a scapegoat. 
at the end when the the police knock on his door or talk, no when they talk to him after the the shooting happens and they accuse him of withholding right. information mm-hmm. he's like no 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 here's my story mm-hmm. i was just sitting there watering my plant mm-hmm. and so it's basically like it to me it seems like he uses it as a scapegoat to seem more innocent than he is mm-hmm. nick you mentioned the word stock and i find that to be quite an interesting word to use because because of the fact that in a way it's almost like he went on a website and looked at stock photos of what his life should be like if it let's was just successful. make up a website let's call it google <laughs> ask jeeves <laughs> like here's the thing if you look at his car and you look at him he's very simple mm-hmm. you would never associate that individual driving a red car why is he driving a red car mm-hmm. if you do not want to get caught when you're driving fast down the road Driving a red car is the worst decision you could make. And they even say that in the film. Yeah. The thing mm-hmm. is, I think that the level the level of, like, stock, stock, like, it's almost like he went into a stock photo album and tried to see what success looked like. Yeah. And then he found it. I feel like Lou Bloom would be the type of person that would really relate to those, like, really cliche, like, like picture frame things that say success and has somebody, like, mm-hmm. having their hands up in the air after they walk through, like, a you know, a marathon line or, you know, those ones that you, they, they, I know the motivational motivational posters from like how I met your mother. Yeah. 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 Like I feel like, awesomeness. I feel like he would like relate to those Mm -hmm. quite well because he's just that type of person. Now I do find it really interesting that he upgraded his car to that degree, but he didn't upgrade his apartment. Mm-hmm. I think he, yeah, but I think he did that. So he want, well, yeah, I think it's, I think it's because he wants to get noticed. He yeah. wants people to know about him, right? Yeah. That's why he, well, he makes arrested, the deal. When he gets arrested at the end, it's he just is still talking. It's like he's, I, I think he's still talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, well, he stares directly at the camera that's that's up there. Yeah. Um, it, during during the interrogation, um, he, uh, he says, uh, I wrote this quote down. He says the type of camera that they're using. Wide angle, yeah. Wide yeah. angle. Yeah, he he like he yeah he makes sure to point that out like almost almost like kind of a kind of a tick, um, but it, it also kind of like he's trying to impress somebody yeah, to make exactly. them feel. It's like the same way that like when a okay this is gonna get really really hilarious here, but it's like the same way that where sometimes when you're in your early stages like like filmmaking or if you're in the early stages of doing anything that's cool. Uh, or you're you're joining a group or something. You try to make yourself. You you push your chest out mm-hmm, to kind yeah. of like make yourself like, oh, you know, do you know this this and that and the other thing? And if they say no, and or if you say yes, then you have to be able to back those claims up. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost like he's doing that in every interaction he has. It's like he's almost like trying to like get up on his high horse to be like, I know this, 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 and this mm-hmm. to almost not like outsmart them, but more or less intimidate them with his ability to talk. But it also sometimes feels a little rain manny. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he'll be yeah. talking to Nina. Really? Yeah. I so- think he's doing it intentionally. To like I make think... it's it's to disjoint people's conversations with him to make him feel like like again like if we put him within the idea of the coyote, you know. Yeah, I think sometimes for sure, like he is using it to gain power in the in the situation. Oh, sure, yeah. But I also felt sometimes it it was just him just going like you said as a tick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it felt like that sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do agree. I, I think, um, 
I think that a lot of it is is kind of intentional um, just because he's he seems very deeply concerned with how he appears to other people, not necessarily what other people think of him, but just how he appears exactly uh, to everybody around him. Like in that, going back to that first scene where he gets caught and he's just like, she's like, no, I just got lost. You know, I want to mm-hmm. appear like something that I'm not actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you think he believes though, that he is not never successful? Do you ever think that like he ever thinks that he's not good enough? No, I think he just constantly strives to be better. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I think, too. Yeah. It's weird because some people with those character traits, they're very much harder on themselves. They're like, they're like, I could strive to be better because I'm not good in this area. I don't think he doesn't think he's good in any area. I just think that he just constantly is striving to be better, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that. There's the one uh, moment, that one night um, where he uh, he's late to the I think a plane crash or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, because something happens and uh, he comes back to the studio with uh, with a stabbing um, in uh, uh, some neighborhood like a like a really kind of um, you know low income neighborhood um, of L.A. and uh, and he is incredibly you can see he's dejected and disappointed. Uh, with himself that he you know and he tries to justify to um, Nina to Rene Russo's character um, to say you know this is like uh, this is what I have and it's you know this is you need this because of this 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 and this Um, but then she says you know oh no this is terrible this is not what we need I'm very disappointed like um, you know this is not of the quality that we we need for for this show Um, and uh, and he says something along the lines it's very kind of like a passing line but he says something along the lines of um yes i'm i'm just you know trying to like mask the disappointment in myself or something i love that line yeah that's Mm -hmm. one of the best lines he's like yes but i was just trying to mask the disappointment in myself yeah i was just like that was the first time where you see him a little bit disjointed with his own character Mm -hmm. character like he's just like he's upset with himself yeah he's trying to convince himself that he's not yeah what follows that is super fascinating because he uh, a lot of times when things like that happen in movies, someone goes out and like they kick over a garbage can or something, right? He goes and looks at himself in the mirror, screams at himself, and then breaks the mirror and walks away. Yeah. He actually, fun fact, uh, <laughs> uh, Jake Gyllenhaal broke, like, like cut his hand open in that shot. Did he really? Yeah, he like sliced his hand open in that shot and he had to get a shit ton of stitches. They had to it's call. Like, yeah, it was like it was like 12 stitches or something. Like uh, Channing Tatum in... Um... Uh, fox catcher or leonardo dicaprio in uh django unchanged unchained i really uh one of the things that i wanted to kind of get into a little bit was um what you guys feel about um the like depiction of the media and the uh the idea of um like if it bleeds it leads um you know getting uh, getting and framing the the gruesome shots um, for the news and, and just kind of that aspect of it. Like you're going to open up a real big can of worms here, kid. Uh, okay. So, I mean, I, we don't have to get into like, you know, re, like really like, no, you no, know, no, I, I'm glad I mean, that just you, for, for the, in, for the purposes of the movie. Yeah. Um, for the purposes of the movie, I think I, I meant that in the kind way. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, just yeah. more like, cause I have, so, I have so many things that I, I feel about this and I talk about on a daily basis, mm-hmm. uh, off podcast. Cause I, I, I just feel like it's not. This isn't the appropriate place to talk about it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I think it speaks a lot to the the degradation of our society mm-hmm. um, and how we still are somewhat 
we, despite the fact that we take ourselves so seriously, I guess you can associate that self with Lou Bloom. Um, we're all just animals. Mm-hmm. We're very much run. We run on an animalistic mindset. Uh, we are very instinctually driven to, uh, you know, see violence to either get away from it. It's like fight or flight. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but people still like being scared. So there's an essence to draw yourself in at the same time. I don't know if this is making sense to anybody. Mm-hmm. I get what you mean. Yeah. But I, I think it is like a real comment on, it's an inside look at and a comment on the degradation of our, our society as we know it. Um, and it's a, it's a wider look, um, into the, the, um, the situation that we need to kind of really, especially in this day and age, really kind of take into account, um, where media and news is so effective in driving political ideologies and, uh, you know, I'm not going to question whether or not your ideology or listener or, you know, people in the room are appropriate or not, because everyone else's ideologies is their own. It's all individualistic. That's why we have this show is so that way you, somebody can come on and talk about their own mm-hmm. perspective, ideologies and stories. So Nick, sorry, you wanted to say something? No. Yeah. Um, I'm just, can I offer a different perspective? Yeah, go ahead, man. Sorry. I watched the movie and at the end of it, I kind of just realized that Lou Bloom is kind of the personification of what news society was in the movie mm. because the news, like I said earlier, Lou Bloom didn't act on emotion at all yeah. and neither did the news, right? Yeah. It was all what would get us ahead of someone else and what would bring the viewers in. Screw uh, the families of the people that are in these terrible accidents and things like that. So that's, that's how I saw it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I work, uh, for, you know, for a local news company. Um, and, uh, it, it was, it was really interesting kind of looking at it from that perspective. Cause, um, did you watch this movie with your dad? I don't mean to bring it back to your dad again. No, but... I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> has your dad seen this film? He hasn't. No. no, I've actually tried to get him to watch it, but, um, he, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he just, you know, reads the news in the morning and looks for it and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, he, um, but, uh, kind of, you know, being around, uh, him has kind of, uh, given me, you know, the, uh, kind of armed me with the, with like the sense to think about, um, to think about news and, and, and production and, and, and the process of getting the process yeah. of that, um, in an, in an ethical way. Rather than the way most of society sees it, which is just literally camera to TV. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it speak it like, it speaks to the simplicity of our society too, the way we're sheltered, but yet mm-hmm. we still want to see an essence of the animal instinct of our, our lives. Like we want to see, we want to see the violence, but we don't want to see the process of such violence. Like mm-hmm. we want to know that we're still safe or how to keep ourselves safe from such violence. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm not saying, and when I said I, 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 it speaks to the level of degradation, of society, I'm not saying that our society is going to shit. I'm just saying that like, um, there are issues in our society and, and I think we need to approach them. And it's films like this that really kind of speak out to the process of how we need to really look at the greater picture of things. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are a lot of things going on behind the screen, behind the scenes that, People say things like it bleeds. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that would not surprise me one bit mm-hmm. if somebody said that to me, and that was my job. That was my job was to go out and get bloody pictures of yeah. people on the street. Like, yeah, no, man. Yeah, well, that essentially is part of my job. Yeah, um, working in news, and uh, it's something that um, I've I've struggled with 
a lot is just the disassociation of, you know, like, I mean, like one of the things within, uh, within news and news media is, um, oftentimes stories happen, um, when we, we interview people on, on the worst days of their lives, mm-hmm. um, when, you know, horrible things happen to them, to people that they know. Um, and, uh, and it's hard because those are the moments that, um, the news kind of covets, um, in terms of this is, this is going to be a great story and it needs to be looked at objectively as, um, this is, this is a great story. People, you know, need to know that this happened. Um, do they though? Well, (laughs) do they though? Like sometimes I'm like, does it really matter? Like, like, I mean, I think the, the, the main, like in my opinion, being an outsider, not associated with the stuff. I, I mean, I was going to say something about the process from camera, camera to TV Mm -hmm. is that like we're uh, working in and around film kind of like throughout my life. I've like known that like people that don't aren't associated with film and then they get involved with film. They're really surprised by the motion of how, long it takes things to happen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah going back to what you were saying sorry i didn't mean to Mm -hmm. throw you off there but um yeah i I have a hard time believing that we need to see everything that we're given Mm -hmm. um because i feel like a lot of the time media is a fear tactic to get people to react and i don't think that that is an an appropriate response i think that i think that everyone watching the news is looking for something to protect themselves from um and and that's kind of a weird way to think. It's like, why why should I go out always constantly looking for ways to protect myself? Why mm-hmm. can't I just like it? It just creates this messed up world where it's always just going to be us and them. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I think that like as difficult that is to talk about in regards to a capitalistic mindset society that we live in, where it is very much just us and them. Um, I think it's. I think it's sometimes difficult to really kind of have to deal with that decision of whether or not. So I can relate to that. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not associated in that kind of way, but I think I, I would draw an issue with being able to like deal with um, having to, whether or not these people need to know this stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, because not everyone's going to take it the d- same way, just the mm-hmm. same way that not everyone's going to approach this film or kind of understand this film. Like we are right now, maybe not even on the same level because everyone has their own story. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, I think that's one of the, one of the questions that, um, the portrayal of, uh, media within the film brings up, um, in that it's, everything's kind of, uh, with, with this, um, uh, this news station that's there and, and Renee Russo's character, uh, as the, as the news director there. Um, I think the, uh, what, what she says, um, about, the uh, the newscast when she's introducing the the, the station to Lou she says uh, think of our newscast as uh, a screaming woman uh, running down the street with her throat cut yeah um, mm. which is you know it's terrible it's it's to- it's it's totally sent up and and a but lot of people the, would look at that though yeah but a, a lot of exactly but um and a lot of the footage that Lou gets and brings to her and she you know like the the footage of the um of the murders in the house, uh, mm-hmm. the footage, even just the first bit of footage that he gets of that, uh, of the shooting, yeah. um, where it's just, you know, the blood leaking out from this guy. Um, that's a lot of that footage is footage that, um, we, uh, at, 
you know, uh, at our news station wouldn't run. Yeah. Um, just because it's, it's, it's too it's gratuitous. Not ethical. It's too, mm-hmm. yeah. The, realistically, the, the whole, if it bleeds, it leads thing is true to an extent. Yeah. Um, but you know, not the, in this town. Yeah. But the, <laughs> I'd like yeah. to think, um, well, it's funny. It's funny you say that. Cause, uh, just re- just last night there was a, um, uh, a, a, several attacks with a, with a, uh, field hockey stick. Um, in and around uh, downtown Victoria, yeah, several oh, people. Very were, interesting. Yeah, but, uh, but no, like um, I think the way that um, like Lou basically when he's trying to understand what uh, what she means by you know what they want in terms of footage, um, he keeps saying, "So you want bloody? Oh, so you want so you want like carnage? So you want violent? Um, that kind of thing." And and a lot of the footage that he brings to them is you know completely. Like it's, it's these horrible, horrible things. Do you think he's conscious of the actual violence that's occurring to the extent that other people are? I don't think he needs to think about it. Yeah. I think for him, it's entirely, uh, in his search for success. I don't think he's thinking about the violence behind it. I think he's just thinking about whether it's a good story or not. It's Mm -hmm. interesting though, to bring up the fact going off of that, it's interesting to notice how like he when he's repeating, oh, you want this, oh, you want that, Mm -hmm. it's almost like he's asking the character that is kind of insisting those things to him to be like, oh, like, that's what you want? Like, you know, I can give that to you. But then he's like, almost like, do you know what you're also asking for, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'm a sociopath, but like, you come off as nothing like me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know I'm a coyote. I don't know. I feel like you're a wolf in sheep's clothing here. Like, this is... Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Like, like it's almost like... I like that. He's asking asking for, like, a a marker check. Like, you're just like, are you like me or are you just... I don't know. But that was just... I I, I really want to get to... Because we're we're sticking in this... We're we're sticking in the newsroom right now. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. it's hard to not draw ourselves to that scene right at the end where he captures um rick uh getting shot and then the guy getting shot um you know and uh it's a really weird shot it's one of it's like a two it's it's two profile shots Mm -hmm. uh one of of um lou and one of i don't know the actor's name nina and nina's on the right and he's on the left and then in the middle is that shot of of his of Rick, of Rick, yeah, on the news screen. That was such a cool shot, and yeah. and sh- and they're talking like two couples in love would talk over, you know, some sort of secret rendezvous that yeah. they might go on. We're like, and they're talking like ASMR style, yeah, and like the breathiness of their conversation. Oh yeah, I thought they were gonna bone right there. It it was weird. That it, was yeah. the overtone for sure. Yeah. Oh, for that, sure, that was going in, into that. Oh, for sure, and and the thing about. The thing about that scene was like it it completely speaks to the relationship they both want even though she didn't originally say she wanted it mm-hmm. but now she's seeing the benefits to lose ways and she even mentions that in the newsroom yeah, right at the, the end where she's like well I think Lou actually has a really good point and I think he makes a really good point in this and that and the other thing and she starts defending him because she realizes that his way of thinking is the appropriate way of thinking. Even though she may not be like him, 
she's starting to think that his way is his way of success mm-hmm. is actually going to work. It's the most successful way. Yeah. yeah. In that industry, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you know, you kind of have to sell yourself. You have to sell yourself and you have to have that kind of, you know, cutthroat edge to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really a, a full and complete disassociation of of everything around you in order to, you know, really kind of um, be successful in business and in that business, you know, you, you, there, there needs to be a little, and I I think that's, that's kind of one of the, uh, one of the narratives that the, the film is kind of trying to get across, um, is it's, it's kind of a sent up view of, you know, the, the cutthroatness that, um, broadcast media brings to, the uh brings to the public yeah so nick you actually set off podcast something that was really interesting i think we need to include in here it's a good point when we're talking about this film thank you yeah well it was just i was just talking about um whether you should show something or not or why they would show something on the news yeah and i just brought up the hp lovecraft quote of uh the oldest known emotion to man is fear yeah and the oldest known fear is fear of the unknown yeah. So I feel like what the news does by showing these things is remove that fear of the unknown and show people what it is they should be afraid of. Yeah. Which is really messed up. It's messed up, but weirdly helpful as well. Yeah. You know, like it's like it's the difference between. So like take away the fear, but then show them what to be afraid of. Exactly. It's like if you walk into a cave, that's all dark. You don't know what's going to happen to you in there. But if you go into like a cave and you see that there's a cliff with a drop off and you can see the you can see the water or at the bottom or whatever's at the bottom, you're not afraid of anything happening. You're afraid of that one specific thing. So it centralizes a fear. Well, there's an issue there, though, because it's like if if you're essentially saying that if you take away the fear and you show people how to be fear to be afraid of it's almost like you're trying to it almost sounds like you're trying to reprogram thought like or trying to like disassociate like uh what is it perpetuate to the point of normalization um, like, and like and like i don't think that the the appropriate way i'm not saying that you're saying this is just what i'm getting out no, of no for sure the, the 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 quote but it's just like trying to take away something and then show them is like almost like it's like a kid trying to walk up to a burner when they're first learning how to understand what hot feels like and mm-hmm. they put their hand on the burner and then they realize when they put their hand on the burner it hurts and then they won't do it again. That's like that's like learning. But like if you're thinking that like if this is what I'm getting right, if you're saying that the news media is essentially the parent that's saying, you know, hey, don't touch that burner, you're essentially taking the element of like you're taking the element of choice out of the process. Sorry, I'm laughing because you're saying element and burner, and it's, oh, okay. it's funny. <laughs> but you're taking uh, <laughs> you're taking you're, ta- you're taking the element of choice out of the process of actually making that decision to learn yourself. Um, in a way, it almost sounds like it almost sounds like you're you're the the the, the, the ideology of the quote is proposing some sort of weird like. Like, trust me, and you'll be okay. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if that's what I was saying, but I can definitely see. No, no, I know, I know. I can definitely see like where you are coming from with that. I just really don't like media. (laughs) 
<laughs> to some degree. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I, I, like, I, like, it's not that I don't like media. It's that I, I find at times that I think that people need to learn from themselves. It can be problematic sometimes, for yeah. sure. I'm not speaking about here. I'm not trying to diss you. <laughs> no, that's super fair. Yeah. That's super, super fair. Um, no, I think that's really interesting to, to look at in the context of uh, the film and with Lou, mm-hmm. because he, um, uh, he reaches a point where he manipulates um, what he films and sends to yeah. um, to the uh, yep. you know to be shown um you know there's that that so scene. he's protecting them yeah yeah he there's the scene where he he drags the the body from the car wreck so that's that so it, it looks yeah, oh yeah once so i saw that so scene up. i was like it's just going to go downhill yeah. from here which was a cool scene cuz uh, cuz the score kind of the score throughout the movie kind of reflects um his thought process yeah his thought process yeah. yeah and and it's it's almost like a like a triumphant score that plays mm-hmm. do you remember that, that one scene? part where he's like he's like telling Nina for the first time his like his process to success and like his goals with working with her right at the beginning and like the sound of like a like a happy sort of tune yeah. starts playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really kind of funny because you look into his eyes and you're and I read that I read that trivia piece. Yeah, um, about Dan. This is Dan Gilroy's uh, piece, and I read that and I was just like, that makes a lot of sense because he's so messed up and he it he's a lot like the cable guy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like he's a lot like he lives in the world of TV, but he's he lives a lot in the world of the 21st century. Like it's almost like if he was a it's very, he's very, he works like a computer. Yeah. 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 And it's just another moment of you see him learning, right? He drags the body and then Nina points out that he's got blood on his shirt. And after that, every single time he's out, he's wearing a jacket. Yeah. Or, yeah. or the yeah. point where he says that he's got blood on his shirt and she keeps on bringing it up. And he's like, it's almost like he's a vampire or like a, like a coyote again. Like mm-hmm. he's just, mm-hmm. he's just basically, you know not really aware of his animal instincts but he's he's working on them one of the coolest things um that i thought um just in in the construction of of lou bloom as a character was his relationship to the dark um, yeah and uh, how he works within the shadows but always comes out and then yeah. leaves again yeah like yeah. like um the the final the final scene oh my um, god are you as, gonna mention the thing that i'm gonna th- okay wait, wait wait go on just as he's as he's walking out of the uh the interrogation room oh okay. um he uh it's it's kind of it's shot almost like almost um as a parody well, not necessarily parody, just kind of an homage to the uh, the final scene in The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's he's walking out, there's a, a focus on the watch that he stole at the beginning. Yeah. Um. And uh, but calling back to his character. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's it's a it's a bright and sunny day when he walks out of the interrogation room. Um. And he immediately walks out into the sun and then uh, directly into a dark alleyway. <laughs> like a coyote or yeah. a raccoon or yeah. like some sort of scavenger and so or a night crawler <laughs> <laughs> so just all of a sudden x-men I reference yeah I always yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah kurt wagner yeah i think that's if not the most important character character trait about this character is how how much he how much the camera really films him dealing with like the darkness mm. my favorite scene of this my favorite shot of this entire film um, that really speaks to that point, Sam, is is the one where at the end Rick gets shot mm-hmm. and then the drug cartel guy in the car gets out of the car or he looks at he looks at him. He looks he sees uh Lou hiding kind of like behind the car. 
Yeah. But he's not like hiding behind the car. He's like legit like standing there, but he's like hunched back a little bit. Like almost like he it almost like it's very animalistic. Like mm-hmm. he's just very much like it, it, you can associate it much in the way that you interact with wildlife. You know what I mean? Like when you see a uh like when you see a deer like anywhere because mm-hmm. we have so many on the island. Um Anytime you see a deer, you, sometimes I, I just stand there and I look at it and it looks at me and then you just walk on by and it's like, it's, it's an interaction with nature. It's just an eye. It's just, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, and I know that like that happens with people sometimes and, and films, films like to do this sometimes. Like for instance, you watch Saving Private Ryan and there's a, there's scenes where sometimes like opposing forces will look at each other. I remember there's one scene, I can't I think it was right at the end where a, the right when Upham is at the bottom of the stairs and uh, that German soldier that just killed the other other American soldier with the knife up in the room when he got stabbed and Upham gets passed by the German soldier. That reminds me that, that that's, that's like a human Hollywood interaction that humans have mm-hmm. that opposing forces. But in this scene, it's like it feels like he's a he's an animal. Like mm-hmm. he feel it feels like. This is an an, this is an interaction with nature that this cartel drug dealer guy is having with Lou, who is a human, but he's very animalistic. He's Mm -hmm. beast like. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 interesting in the context of that because I mean, um, as we've been talking about a lot, like the construct, the way that Lou is constructed is is almost like not human. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like like we said, he doesn't sleep. Um, He speaks in kind of like regurgitated uh corporate rhetoric um infomercial yeah infomercial speak um and uh yeah he's he's constructed as as you know a character that's almost almost as if it's he's um like an extraterrestrial figure who dropped onto earth and all he knows about social interaction is just kind of what he sees and regurgitates and he's 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 constructed as as not human yeah um and and yeah so the the whole um aspect of him kind of being modeled after a coyote um being yeah like like an animal figure yeah um in that scene it's you know I, i think it's it's really really interesting to consider just considering his you know arc as a character yeah that's really cool yeah because during that whole i want scene going back to that is it all it is very much like an alien being like ah yes these things that i want yes i want human things too mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so that's really cool he is a beast he's a beast all right and i think that brings us to the end of our discussion of the film night crawler um how do you think we did nick i think we did pretty well yeah yeah that's pretty cool how do you think we did sam I think we did great. Yeah. Perfect. We covered. I mean, Sam's got a whole notebook over there, and I feel <laughs> terrible that I'm sending him home with not all of it, you know, done. There, hey, don't even worry about that. There's there's a million things about this. It's such a rich film. We could we could sit here for Ages. at least at least mm-hmm. four or five more hours just just discussing you know so many more different aspects of it. But I think we touched uh, some some pretty cool things, some pretty important things. Too, yeah, like, you opened into. up a can of worms a couple times there. I was just like, oh man, you. <laughs> Don't get me started on society. <laughs> like, I, I I have some thoughts. But, um, yeah, no, thank you so much, Sam, for being on this episode. But, uh, you know, uh, as we always like to do, we like to roll over to our arbitrary review of the film. Uh, this is the part of the show where we kind of put on our satirical 
hey, let's pretend we're reviewers hat and give our thoughts on the film. Uh, but it is arbitrary, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so, Nick, what is your arbitrary review of this film? I give this movie a one wide-angle lens. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and Sam, what is your arbitrary review for this film? Yeah, I give this film four coyotes out of eight news studios that's good that's good that sounds that sounds real great uh, hey nick do you want to ask me hey brendan what would you give this film i give this film s- some real fine slick back hair and a real awesome bomber jacket yeah both those because he looks really good in this movie i think he's really cool he looks great yeah he, like, he, like i said very he, reminiscent of ryan gosling and drive yeah I almost I would almost say that this film is better than that film. Oh, I would definitely say that this film is better than Drive. I love Drive. I think it's a phenomenal film. Yeah. Could I could I give another one? I just thought it was yeah. really good. Yeah, one. go yeah. ahead, man. Uh, I don't give... usually do this, but go ahead. <laughs> I give this film zero blinks. Yeah, Whoa, he doesn't blink at all in this yeah. movie pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Which is kind of again very animalistic of him. So mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of The Real Rant. Again, Thank you so much, Sam, for being on the show this week. Uh, we are looking forward to having you back on. Absolutely. It was yeah. a pleasure. It really was. It was. I hope we can actually get to talk about that Green Room film, because that Let's would be do fun. It. Yeah. Let's do that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Nick, is there one last word that you'd like to say before we sign off for tonight? Want. And Sam. Need. And scene. Scene.